0: So, hey, if you just press play, you're missing out on, I think, we're actually recording this a couple days later, I think about 30-ish minutes, 30 to 40 minutes of us talking a, a little extra, a little more about Wally. Um, sometimes we do episodes and we put them up and I know me and Daniel have definitely experienced this, but this might be the first official one where me and Melanie experienced this, where we put an episode up and then we kind of just, at least I in particular, felt like I didn't really get all my thoughts out. Or the more interesting thoughts that I had when we started to record vanished <laughs> and nice. just were not present and I totally forgot to mention them. So we did this little extra... I would call it a point five, not so much a sequel, but a point five to Wally. And the uh, topic has to do a lot with how the movie's is very much about love, not just environmentalism stuff, but about how love uh, is this sort of this wonderful, amazing thing that is so much more valuable than all the materials that you have, all of the lifestyle you might live in. How love makes those things worthwhile, how all the objects while he's collected become more interesting when he has somebody to show them to and so on and so forth. So we talk a lot about love and uh, we get into some really great biblical stuff defining what love is and uh, how it's eternal, how it's wonderful, how it's the Lord himself. You get to get access to that if you support on Patreon for $3 a month. You can, of course, support for more, and there's benefits to doing so. You'll hear about that as you listen to the episode, but you press play to hear us talk about scanners, and by the time this goes up, we will have been off of our hiatus. We were on hiatus for two weeks. Now we're off of the hiatus, so you might have listened to some reposted episodes. I'm still not sure what those will be, but you'll probably already know because this is you are listening to this in the future, which is weird, uh, But uh, which I guess is every episode now that I think about it. But we're here for Scanners. So first off, uh, Melanie has been telling me, you got to watch Scanners. You got to watch Scanners, probably since we first like, got yeah. together and hung out. And yeah. I was super curious as to why two things, why you were fixated on Scanners and then why you suspected I would enjoy it. Not saying I didn't enjoy it. I did. I just I want to know like I love understanding people's process of why they recommend stuff, why they like them. So what was what was it about scanners that connected to you and wanted you to talk about it here?
1: so I just remember really enjoying it a lot. I felt like it was very unique and very interesting, especially because when it comes to like talking about telepathy telekinetic power or just like any any kind of like ability this was just a very different way of it being um displayed in a film so i thought it was unique i thought it had a really cool vibe and just hearing you talk about some of your other films i was like i really think this is one that melvin's going to appreciate because when i when i present movies to people sometimes i'm I'm not always very good at reading the room. You know what I mean? Like just (laughs) knowing what someone's preferences are. Cause so sometimes I'll make a suggestion and it's like, they are just completely not into it Mm -hmm. from the start. So I kind of got a sense that you might be someone who would get the film and appreciate a lot of the things in there. It also has some really, really cool special effects and some people just prefer to have CGI effects. They want it to look more real, but Again, I thought you'd appreciate some of some of the effects that they have. Because for an 80s film, I thought it was actually really, really great. And um yes, yeah, not ev- not everyone I think will appreciate it. But I, I figured you would. So so that's why I suggested it and thought it would be really interesting for us to talk about.
0: Yeah, this was dope. I mean, I hadn't even finished it and I texted you and it was like, Scanners is awesome. <laughs> this <Yeah>.
1: movie's crazy. <laughs> like this is a right. ton of fun. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, this was I I had not seen scanners. I actually haven't seen any Cronenberg movies, which is ridiculous considering I really, really, really enjoy practical effects. And I often find that, yeah, that the argument to have more realism in movies through digital effects, I often find is just self-defeating one because it's digital. So it really can never quite literally be real. And the only way it can ever feel real is more when it's tactile, not when it looks real, mm-hmm. because it has to be interacted with. If, if somebody reaches out to touch a dragon and the hand looks like it's not touching anything, then the effect has failed. But right. when it can reach out and touch something authentic and real, like that's great. Like that's, yeah. that is as real as it's going to get. <laughs> and it just feels so much better. It just Absolutely. Feels so much better.
1: Absolutely. I think the actors also appreciate having something real there to like touch and hold on to, And I, I personally enjoy a blend of the two. I think if you can get a film that has a little bit of both, that it really just, it just works out so well.
0: Yeah. But scanners, uh, which we'll get into now, but they, the effects here just right out the bat. I mean, you've probably already seen some of these effects while roaming the internet. Um, I, did not entirely remember them so thankfully during a particular scene in the first 10 minutes i was shocked and i audibly <laughs> yeah. reacted and was like oh <laughs> what the heck like i was yeah it was exactly i'm sure what cronenberg wanted from me as an audience uh yes. participant to react to and it is a very good great start um and so here's what i'll do i'll describe the movie I will not spoil what takes place to be the complicating incident in terms of specifics, but I will, we'll be able to talk about it. And then at some Uh point we'll go into quote unquote spoilers. And the purpose for that is I just want to preserve the excitement of what happens um, because Mm. it is one of those movies where like the complicating incident, how it happens is part of what makes it fun. Um, But know that the special effects are tangible, real, they have impact. It's just great, but yeah. So scanners, uh, it opens up in a sky is like in the middle of a mall. It's a beautiful mall. Wow, look a location that looks great. And yes, um, and you even capture like a time, like it sets a movie into a time frame. It feels mm-hmm. just historical. Gosh, there's yeah. so many good reasons for shooting in real locations. Absolutely. Um, but uh the movie opens up and the sky is uh seems discombobulated, he's in the middle of a mall and he's just eating off tables, like off of leftover food, so you know there's something wrong with them. Uh, and I only realized this yesterday, or was it this morning I texted you, Melanie, and I was like, he looks like Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> the, this guy a little looks I could like bit. I can see it
1: a little bit, especially like in the hair. I thought yeah. that was funny. <laughs> so,
0: so Seinfeld is discombobulated, eating food off of leftover trays at the food court, and then somebody's commenting, uh, these two women are commenting that he's like this weird, creepy, homeless guy, and then the woman starts to have this possible heart attack, passes out, freaks out. Meanwhile, the man, the creepy man, the homeless man is having what looks like an, another fit himself. Yeah. And so these people realize they know what it's happening and they chase him down, they capture him. Um he's put into this facility, he's tied to a bed. There's a professor who leads these people into watch. Everything gets louder and louder and louder and then it's quiet. And it cuts to the professor who is now talking um about what this is, and he's saying that there is a scanner, and we learn what scanners are, and scanners are these people who can. We'll learn a lot more about them throughout the movie, but they're basically people who can do what the name entails, which is like they can scan the body and connect with it and influence it. Um, and it's specifically through the nervous system, and so uh, one person just straight up describes it as their your nervous system paired with theirs upon their own volition, um. Now the complicating incident comes in the fact that not just that Seinfeld is now abducted, but that there is a presentation where this company is now going to present their findings on scanners, and they're going to do this public testing of it. And during it's the like event,
1: semi-public, so it's yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's not it's not like just random people off the street. This is like a government. Presentation, it was like, like
0: I, I suspect it was like government like, and investors, like yeah, stuff like, like that.
1: People, people who would be interested in learning and utilizing scanners.
0: Yes. And so they're doing this presentation, but uh, the person doing the presentation is assassinated. And they suspect that the assassination was done by another scanner um, because there was nothing, there was no weapons, there were no guns. And uh, it just, the person who... It possibly was was taken away was captured and then not only were they captured but then they had killed other people using what they suspected to be scanning abilities and so the company consec who is studying scanners is saying we need to shut down the scanner program but then the lead professor his name is paul ruth dr paul ruth he says we need to keep the scanner program uh, because s- clearly somebody else has a scanner program and sabotaged us by killing our scanner And so that's kind of the groundwork for where the narrative is going to continue, where we have Dr. Paul Ruth. That's the doctor from the previous scenes. He has this other guy uh, named Cameron, who we later learn is named Cameron. Um, That's the homeless man. He has uh, personally found Cameron and is now kind of like groomed him into becoming like a scanner that is uh, personally connected to ConSec. There's this other scanner who is the assassin who they keep saying is named Revik, who is a bad guy. And Cameron is now going to go out into the world. uh, And now he knows what scanners are. He knows what his powers are. And he's going to see if he can find Revik to stop him from whatever his plan is. Hey, don't forget. There's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. I've talked a bit already, so I'll pass it to you in terms of likes and dislikes. Yeah, we're, what do you, um, we already talked about special effects, which, yeah, they're amazing, and. They're amazing and intermittent. They're not constant, which makes right. them better, in my
1: opinion. Yes, I completely agree. It
0: it makes it just as I, I kind of assert like practical is tangible. The fact that it's intermittent is like, yeah, I'm not completely aware of the fact that I hear things all the time. My brain uh-huh. takes it in and out when it's important. And the same is done here. And also the scanning ability isn't always the same, which I really like. But I digress. What uh what do you like about scanners? You've seen it 3 times now I think at this point. So what's uh yeah. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, I've seen it I've seen it a few times and um each time I just find myself still enjoying it. Um what I really a few things I really liked. I liked the I liked the story overall. I liked and I and I say this all the time for some of my favorite films. It it didn't have too many moving parts. So there yeah, weren't it's very like, simple. Yeah. it's very simple. Not everybody needs a backstory. You know, they kind of just, you can just be very present. And I think backstory and like more complicated. Um, so what I want to say for the record, It's not that I don't mind when a story has more moving parts. (laughs) The problem is sometimes when people do it, they don't work together. Like all of that has to come together in a way that works. And oftentimes I find that for me that they, they don't, it's just not what I enjoy, but this film doesn't do that. Everything works. I feel like it's very simple to understand and follow. So I, I did enjoy the story and just how things played out. I especially, I liked the ending and I kind of wish there would have been a little bit more, not as far as like the effects, but just more of a, I wasn't really, I, I kind of on the fence about the last line of the movie. I'm kind of like, that's it. You're just going to stop right there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I was hoping for just a little bit more closure, but I can share more when we do our spoilers.
0: Well, so just cause you, you brought it up. I, I actually felt like, uh, earlier in the film, Cameron connects with something, and we get some really great, uh, let's let's call them like microscopic visuals of what Mm -hmm. he's doing. And because of how the movie ends, what I would have appreciated is if we got to that was more microscopic visuals Mm -hmm. of what took place. Because we already kind of set up that it's that intimate, uh, which is one of the big things I stepped away with with this movie. When we talk about it more. thematically is the intimacy of the scanner but um yeah the ending it's simultaneously at least for me i thought was like yeah this is great and then also like uh yeah i i think i would want a little more on this special effects side mm-hmm. whereas it sounds like for you you wanted more like maybe a narrative resolution or something i don't know maybe but, a little yeah. bit more
1: dialogue or something i don't yeah. know just just a little bit of something but i feel like i i feel you on the um mm mm-hmm. The special effects as well, but it, d- it didn't take away from the movie for me at no, all. No, not at all. I also really loved the music and especially the sound oh, effects. Man.
0: It's so good.
1: Oh my <laughs> it's gosh! So good. You just it it like puts so you right good. there in the moment, especially when they're scanning.
0: Mm-hmm. When they're
1: scanning has like this. It kind of sounds like growling. It sounds like organs. Also, yeah, or and it yeah. also kind of reminded me of like the hum of like a printer or something, you know what I mean?
0: Or like meditation.
1: Yeah, like it was just, there was like something very like pulsing about it where it felt organic. And then like other moments where it just sounded like, like if your mind was just feeling like really foggy and everything was just like, I imagine this is what like like distortion sounds Mm -hmm. like in the mind. Like it just, it was, it's exactly what, music and sound effects should be in a film they shouldn't over um overshadow anything it should like blend right into it so that you it doesn't like take away or like snap you out of the moment but like pulls you in deeper and i feel like the music and the sound effects really really did that for me and i loved that it was consistent throughout the film so like when he first scans in that beginning scene like you talked about you hear it when you when you see daryl revick Doing it as well. Like, there's just, it's just very consistent. And I, and I loved that.
0: Yeah. And listeners will know the name Howard Shore because I'm sure our listeners are fans of Lord of the Rings. Yes.
1: Um, so I yeah. So, yeah. Definitely stuff. He's so definitely good. Definitely
0: check out the movie at least for that. Cause it, mm-hmm. it is, I mean, check it out for a lot of things, but it is really great music. Yeah. I, I, you had said that so the guy who plays Cameron is Steven lack. You had mentioned that he was more of a performance artist and he doesn't even have that many credits. And even online people very much criticize the movie. Just like the only fault is that he is very flat mm. and yes, he is very flat. And I was suspecting there to be a narrative reason for that. Um, that like, maybe like he's, so we know that scanners are like a un- potential, separate kind of human because they have this ability so like you're watching the movie and it's this mystery where you're like okay so scanners have this special ability but is steven uh, or is cameron a special kind where like he was created like he's a synthetic human who has scanner abilities so like you're wondering like is the performance feeding the character but then events take place to kind of imply that that is not the case and that he just doesn't quite know how to do something more than just read straight lines. Now I did read right. that prior to the events of the movie, literally on the way to the film, I think I think I read this correctly that he had witnessed a car accident. So, it is very possible that he was prepared and ready to work and then witnessed this car accident and now oh. is traumatized. Yeah. And so that's affecting the performance. I don't know how long that would be. I also know he's an adult. But I also know we all respond to trauma differently, but he's also older. So he could have potentially, like, you know, compartmentalized the trauma so he could work and then experience it later. But I digress. There's factors at play, but right. the primary factor in the film is that of all the performances, his is the most underdeveloped but i don't i didn't dislike that i didn't find Mm. it i'll say i didn't find it distracting i i noticed it so i guess it was distracting but it, it didn't pull away from my enjoyment of the world because i don't think the movie it's very story oriented but it is um what's the term it's a romantic narrative not a not a realistic narrative uh romantic being it's about the grand story but the mm. a realistic story is about the individual characters. This movie's not really about individual characters. Like, it's not this change. They're not, there's not really much change. The villains are stale villains at the end, the protagonists are still protagonists at the end. There's really no arcs. So I don't dislike that he's a little stilted. Mm. But all of that's made up for the fact that the world of scanners, the scanners themselves, their abilities and how they're portrayed the effects, the visuals, the music, it's so rich and so effective and so good that it just really, really succeeds. But it is a stain on the film that this guy, at least at this time in his career, uh, it's really, I mean, I think even people who don't watch movies like we do would see that and go like, something's not right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think he's okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of all I got on that, but, but when it comes to the acting and the actors. But, but otherwise, I, I personally, like, I could still enjoy the movie uh, wholesale, despite the fact that Stephen Black is pretty, um, yeah, specifically when he's delivering lines, is kind of out there. Everything else, the performance artist comes out.
1: <laughs> but, right. I feel like yeah. he has a very, like, engaging stare. He's, I don't know if you he uh, that he's got an
0: intensity. That there's is like very there isn't. In-
1: yeah, so like certain moments where he was scanning, and not when he's like throwing his head around, you know, like none of that. Right. But it's just like when they would do like these close-up shots with like his eyes, and he's like, you know, it looks like something is happening. I did find that pretty engaging.
0: It. I don't. I don't say this to imply anything rude or mean but he he looks around at characters and people like an autistic child stares at things he's very intense and focused mm. and and not distracted um and so it makes for a character that's very interesting to watch when everyone else is actually acting <laughs> so it's really it's it's a very odd thing but as most great movies there's always one or two things that come off a little strange and uh, disorienting. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. Yeah, I, I thought Scanners was a ton of fun. I thought, just like you had said, this vis- this movie sounds great. All the visuals, all the audio is really good. There's a lot of intense uh, usage of sound here. Uh, and you catch on to that really quickly. You kind of learn immediately that Scanners, it's very noisy being a scanner and there's sort of a desperation to get away from that and it it, (laughs) this is such a silly comparison but it's basically if you were to turn into a vampire in the twilight series you'd start hearing everything (laughs) so (laughs) i guess they're in the same universe i don't know um but i guess if i if muse started to play or tom york or radiohead kicked in or something (laughs) but like 2000s emo tracks right but um the movie looks beautiful, really great locations picked out for this science fiction, pharmaceutical feature where like, everything's just so simultaneously clinical yet unnerving. It's not dirty, like alien where it's like that retro sci-fi, but it is, um, it is, it's more like, um, success and beauty used for the purpose of evil. That's what everything kind of looks like. Um, so to me, like, I, I really enjoyed seeing and looking at all that. The movie's lit really well. So it's just beautiful. Like, as I'm watching, I'm like, these colors are amazing. So it's definitely a comfortable movie to watch in all that sense. And uh, I thought there was a really great sense of focus in terms of all of everything else. to so the action in the film, the, the, uh, the, the pacing and everything. There's, there's a lot of, um, sometimes you just watch a movie and at some point you're able to relax. And this movie, mm. very quickly, you get into that. You're not having to compensate while watching the film. And it just, from beginning to end, has that, the whole point. Um, there's really great highs, and then a real tempered patience. The, when the film gets exciting and fun and wants you to react, it knows how to get you there. And then it's patient in getting you to the next part. It's not thinking it's, – it's a movie that knows you're smart and can keep up. It's the exact opposite right. of what I mentioned in the Beckman video. I was just going to say yeah. that. I'm
1: like, it's not like Beckman where they're trying to overly, over-explain yeah, everything right. or just like flash something unnecessarily yes. to like grab your attention.
0: It doesn't think you'll get tired or bored. Right. And you won't. You, I, I believe you will not because even if you're not into the heady, scannery stuff going on, you will probably really enjoy the action. Everything has impact and is visceral. These squibs are very wet and very gross. So, like it is a bloody movie when it needs to be. There's really cool like fire usage here. Mm -hmm. It's just a ton of fun.
1: I like how all the guns were shotguns.
0: Yeah, they're all heavy. I thought was so heavy.
1: Hilarious. And I only noticed that this last time that I watched it. So I'm watching these action scenes and I'm enjoying it. But then I'm like, but why are they all have these like huge, chunky
0: freaking cool guns?
1: <laughs> and I'm just wondering if maybe they only had a certain amount of prop guns Could and they have. just had to yeah. keep like reusing the same ones. So
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think yeah. now if there's ever any scenes where there's a lot of gunmen. Maybe there's like one where it's a couple on it's screen. Usually, like four. Yeah, like four but-
1: maybe tops. Like it just, it, yeah, there's not a lot, there's usually not a bunch of them carrying guns at the same time. But
0: the, uh, the, the last thing I had in terms of that was the scanners themselves are just such an interesting concept. And it's not just. uh, It it doesn't do one of two things on the spectrum of like telekinetic powers. It doesn't do the it's telekinesis. I can move whatever I want. And Mm -hmm. so we're just going to throw things around, which is just, you know, a third peripheral that throws things. Okay. Or it doesn't go the ak- Akira route, where it's just very odd. Like, very, very conf- like strange and confusing. And part of that's yeah. because that movie is written... That movie, like, is technically, like, half-finished. Because I don't think the manga was done. So the director and writer just kind of had to do stuff to fill in. And what they filled in didn't really explain anything. Um The movie's a good vibe, but it, it's so weird that it makes it a bit more confusing. Scanners, you can almost, like learn and understand like Dr. Paul Ruth, what the scanners can do, how they can do it, what they can and cannot do. Mm. And to me, like that makes it a little more interesting because it means I can learn and I'm not just having like random stuff happen, but it also asserts that there's so much more. I don't know. So as I'm learning, I'm realizing that I know less and less and less, even up to the ending of the film. And so so the scanners are super interesting, and that's that's really, I think for me, what had me most focused was I was really interested to see what more there was to this world. And that's kind of how Cameron functions, is even though he's a scanner himself, he's an audience stand-in. He kind of shows up as a fish out of water and yeah. is now learning about consec, this underground railroad of scanners, uh, and all these other things. So I I thought that was all all really good. The only dislike I had was steven Lack's performance but that yeah. was pretty much that was pretty much it, it wasn't uh, too bad yeah. some weird ideas don't totally integrate but in my opinion that's simultaneously a positive and a negative because I, I like weird stuff so i'd rather a film be risky than than anything else but right so i think to get into i mean we're 30 minutes in now so i think to get into the broader stuff we'll just say we're going to talk freely n- now about the movie so if we can convince you it's a good movie. Check it out. And yes, uh, please do it's, it is shockingly violent intermittently. So if you're fine with that kind of stuff, you're going to have a good time. Um, but otherwise we are going to be, I mean, the movies from 1981, it's 40 years old. You, you <laughs> We're going to be talking spoilers. So if you stick around, you know what's going on. So was there anything then specifically with the film? Now that we can talk about whatever we want, that you wanted to get into. I did write down a couple things. I have a couple things and notes that I just wanted to like capture my thoughts cuz there's so mm-hmm. much to think about with the movie, but Definitely. I don't want to railroad the conversation. So is there anything you had?
1: Yeah, sure. Just a uh, just a few things that I also wrote down is I really just love the concept of a scanner and yes, where they so come cool. from. Yeah. I just thought that was so interesting. So I, I love the fact that you find out um, scanners were actually a side effect of a drug called ephemeral. So Dr. Ruth was actually trying to create a drug for pregnant women so that they wouldn't experience morning sickness. Great idea. <laughs> um, I would assume so. Um, but it it ended up not working the way that they intended. And all the women that had the drug ended up having children who were scanners, Um, And so I just thought that that was just really interesting. It's like a Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical drug gone wrong or very right, depending on what you think and how he's like, how he's trying to, to, to use this now, this, this, this random consequence of his experiments um, he's trying to use it for whether he thinks it'll be for good or whether he just wants it to be his own gain. I wasn't, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I wasn't really sure what I thought his intentions were, but either way he's trying to use it and it's just not going well. If anything, it just blew up in his face. And when I was thinking about this, I actually thought about, um, the film Jurassic park. Have you seen the first one? Yes. Have you seen yeah. It recently. Seen so I love one of my favorite quotes is when Jeff Goldblum says, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So I love that line because it just, it, it perfectly depicts this idea of caution and the dangers of discovery. And so I think that, you know, rather than trying to monopolize on these children and use them, they should have just been trying to help them to control their gifts. And I wonder if maybe that's how he started. And then now because of Daryl Revick, he feels like now we gotta just use them to kind of stop what we started. Cause I, I also like how some of the stuff is ambiguous, like how there aren't like a ton of details about the story. What did you think of that?
0: Well, I I like um yeah, I like the ambiguity because like at the end of the day, some of the stuff it's not necessary to to explain like what's most important is that like when you're when you're investigating scientific discovery and breakthrough that is like a natural risk that you open up pandora's backs you cannot close it you Mm. you have an atomic bomb explode even if you destroy all of the evidence of it ever happening you've proved that it's possible someone can now find a recreation of it because making something possible means you have hope to do it again As opposed to something never happening. If it never has happened yet, then it is less motivation to do it. And so, I think there's just like that that um, that scientific horror of Mm -hmm. you've like done this thing that is irreparable, and you cannot go back on it. And so now you just have to play around with it. But in addition to that, like Dr. Paul Ruth's character is constantly he's not slacking off but visibly he is very relaxed in every chair he sits in <laughs> he's like slouching the most extreme college slouch you've ever seen someone slouch and so there's almost this way in his performance and the way he talks and carries himself that he is reserved to the fact that this is entirely his fault Mm. And now he is responsible with solving it and also realizing he probably won't. And so there's mm. like this simultaneous hopelessness in how he performs, but not necessarily the willingness to give up, but not in a motivated way. So it's like, it's a very complicated character yeah. to watch. And that's part of what I think makes the movie beneficial is every character is like that where every character mm-hmm. is very well-performed sans Cameron. But it benefits Cameron because then it just means the movie as a movie can now speak for itself. And so Cameron's character being the way he is can kind of just be one of the characters um, being such an odd person, um, such an alien to the group. Enjoying this episode? Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners. So don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. Yeah. So I was, I, and there's another movie I'd actually seen that was sort of similar to this recently. I'm actually going to use it for my recommendation. Um, and it was around the same time frame. So there was definitely a lot of fear and a lot of scare about pharmaceutical companies and how it would affect you, which makes sense. Like this was a whole big thing. Um, like you had tons of new medications that were coming out and, uh, could promise you this one great thing, but potentially had this
1: other problem too. I also liked how the, um, the, the, the children who are now scanners, like how they all grew up and, and kind of tried to understand their gifts and, and move on from their gifts in different ways. I really liked that. So you have Daryl who has a bit of a God. I don't know if you call it a God complex, but he's feels he's superior to everyone and will kill anyone who's against him. So he wants to use it for control over others versus Benjamin Pierce, who's a character who um Cameron tries to find to get answers yeah. yes. and yeah. he's like I'm finding peace through my art and his artwork is amazing it's
0: awesome stuff I yeah. would
1: love to know who actually made all of that art I was like this is beautiful. so creepy but beautiful I love art and I loved all of his art pieces you could see a lot of like his emotion and how a scanner might be feeling in the artwork, which I yeah. thought was genius, he I really like that. Specifically,
0: like we've we've learned that the scanners, they are perpetually in a constant state of let's call it brushing past the consciousness of those around them. Yeah. They, whereas a real human being cannot hear the thoughts of a human being nearby, the scanner can't not hear that, and so right. there's constant noise, but um cameron when he meets up with benjamin pierce he says like how did you get the voices to stop and Benjamin said through his artwork and so and all of his artwork is like various forms of imprisonment which he his character literally has been in prison Mm. but now that he's out of it it's um his artwork displays it which from those on the outside might think it's his artwork about his time in prison but we as the audience can probably infer that it's about the imprisonment of the literal physical body he is in, and how this is his way of getting out of that prison and escaping it, which is very much what it's like to sometimes create art. As you, you feel compelled to make stuff. Uh, this movie kind of reminded me of um, uh, what's it? Spielberg one, uh, Close Encounters of a th- of the Third Kind, which uh. I actually don't, I don't really like that movie. I like parts of it, but I don't like it. Um, But uh, the parts I like about it are these ideas of, like, the compulsion to create. And oftentimes it's this, like, weird recognition that these things you create come from you externally. Like, you didn't choose to create that. Well, you you did in terms of actionability, which I'll get into that when I talk about scanners a bit more, like, when I kind of meditate on it and thought about the idea. But, like, um, on why this particular idea is so scary – but the idea that like you're creating stuff to kind of pass or flow or like this like passive flow of creativity, it comes from outside yourself into the world. It's really interesting. And as mm-hmm. as Christians, I think we can infer that that's part of how we're created in God's image. And then it also asserts that this, all these things aren't, none of, none of it's new under the sun because the Lord creates first and then we are create uh based on his influence and at- mm. whether you think so or not that's just true mm-hmm. um in my opinion uh <laughs> in reality um but i digress um
1: yeah, yeah.
0: super cool character yeah. i totally forgot to even mention him i'm glad you yeah. did.
1: <laughs> and then you have um cameron and kim who are just trying to do the next right thing like kim Kim Oberist is a a character that Cameron meets through Benjamin. Benjamin um, ends up dying and um, telepathically tells him to find Kim. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Kim is part of like a small group of scanners that are trying to hide from Daryl and anyone else who might try to use them. And they're just trying to do the next right thing, figure out how to stop Daryl. And then that poor man, he doesn't even have a name. It just says, first scanner. It's played by Luis Del Grande. He's the one who was um, assassinated at the very beginning of the film oh, when yeah. he encounters yeah, yeah. Daryl. And he was just trying to, you know, be useful to the government, you know, do this demonstration, like find a good <laughs> use for his gift. And um, that poor guy. Yeah. So literally you
0: decided to- fighting
1: for his life. <laughs> like you could see it in his face and it He's makes great. you so uncomfortable. It's so good it
0: yeah so if you're decided to keep listening for spoilers the opening scene uh for the complicating incident is uh, this guy's doing this presentation on what scanners do it's the public the semi-public presentation and so he's like come on up think of something and i'll tell you what it is and so this person volunteers and comes up and then as he's scanning you think it's just the like he's gyrating and getting he's like it looks like he's like something inside of him is trying to come out
1: mm-hmm. and you're
0: like, Oh, that's just what scanning is. But it's long enough that you're like, maybe something as weird as happening. Something's and then wrong, his freaking yeah. head explodes. It's like, <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap. And it's like one of the most crazy head explosions you've ever seen. Oh, your entire my gosh. Life. And it's so quick and sudden and loud and shocking. Um, and then funnily enough, even though there's this massive wet explosion, there's no blood, on the scene so i'm sure that's part of the low budget is they couldn't yeah. like just make this place dirty and then clean it again but uh but it's crazy it's oh my super gosh awesome. it's so <laughs> insane
1: but i remember being having that same reaction like whoa that was yeah. nuts <laughs> yeah so i actually looked up a little bit about like how they did it because i was mm-hmm. like i feel like i remember but i'm not like quite sure so they had a, i have a quote and it says um after a lot of trial and error special makeup artist Stefan Or maybe it's Steven. Um, D-U-P-U-I-S. How do you pronounce that? Dupuis? Dupuis, maybe? I don't know. I'm going to ruin it. But anyway, Steven, Stefan, and a special effects supervisor created the infamous scene by utilizing a lifelike plastic bust of Del Grande's head filled with spare special effects viscera and leftover <laughs> hamburger meat from the crew. Yeah. And after multiple explosive charges failed, a shotgun provided the iconic shot we see today <laughs> so they literally just shot the bust with a shotgun and that was the epic like explosion <laughs> of his head maybe one of the shotguns they used was later used as a prop for yeah. all the shotguns they had in the film
0: gosh, it's, like, it's nuts but
1: oh my gosh it was very explosive and I like the timing of it where it feels real like it feels like in the moment like it's like you don't really mm-hmm. have time to see that it's a fake head
0: no, it it just is explodes,
1: quick. which is yeah. great.
0: It's it is definitely, I think, one of the best head splosion special effects I've seen, period. Like it, yeah. it looks great, it holds up, it's very, very and the special effects in general here, uh, even to the ending. There are parts where you can uh, especially in a 4k world you can see the paint the skin paint of where like the um later like there's parts where there's the scanner fight and you can see that they're like affecting the blood in their body so their body mm-hmm. starts to have pulsating veins and you can see like at the cuff of their uh wrist is the paint of the um i don't know like what the the practical device put underneath yeah it. but that's also just like that's that's filmmaking, baby. Like right. uh when you're in it though, you really don't see that. When you're people like us, you're you're always aware of that stuff. And so right. you see it all the time. But but it still looks so good. And it and you still mm-hmm. feel like I feel it differently when it's there because even if a if a visual CG effect is just a little bit off, it really really looks off whereas here like even if it looks off it's still it's still real so it it Mm -hmm. feels and it moves like authentically and it's complicated like most movements are yeah want some quick updates on the podcast follow the cinematic doctrine instagram for cool posts and story updates press the link in the show notes or search cinematic doctrine that's one word in your instagram app oh and we're on threads check us out there too I was thinking about, like, how the scanner, they can kind of, uh, I, I, I didn't, I, I just, I try to avoid just reading my notes verbatim, but sometimes it's just easier. So I wrote that the, like, these scanners can unite themselves with, like, somebody else, and when they do that, it's, like, just a total and complete invasion of someone else's body, because mm-hmm. um, the body's already con- congested with, like, various versions of you, Uh Um, so by that, I mean like there, I wrote down like different levels. So there's like the level, level one is the you that does. So there's the you that functions in reality that is like corporeal. So like when you reach out and touch something, that's the you that's doing, when you reach out and talk, that's the you that's doing. And then there's like the you that thinks. So there's like your active thoughts. It's when you stop talking and you finish the sentence in your head um and you say it word for word then there's like the you that's processing where it's when you stop talking and before you even said the words i finished what was in my head you had already thought the words that you were going to finish it in your head so you can essentially like think quicker without thinking because you've already thought it the processing part it's also the part of you that's like thinking things through when you're not thinking them through like it maybe you could say that's like when you're sleeping and then there's like there's the you that exists that's like level four I know I stopped saying the levels between one and four. But anyways, level four, the you that exists, where it's like you're just existing and things come through in and out. And it's like the part of you that doesn't think, and yet it's thinking. So it's like when you think intrusive thoughts. You didn't think that, but you did because it's in your head. But it's like you didn't choose to think that. That was a terrible thought, but you did think it. And then you could go to that, what is it? I wrote level two, the you that thinks. So you had the intrusive thought from level four where it just came up like, hey, why don't you ram your car into that thing? I didn't choose to think that. And now you're not processing it, but now you're thinking about it. And so the the scanner can just bypass all of that and control all of that. Like it can, it seems to be that because it can go all the way as far back as to like the you that exists, the mere fact that you exist, it can put thoughts in your head. It can explore thoughts that you're processing. It can, it, it seems to know what you're thinking and therefore it can influence what you do. Like that to me is just, terrifying especially when you think of yourself as like a an individual who is both sovereign over your own decisions and choices like I no one can control that I control that but sometimes I get out of control I'm still unresponsible but I send do things that I don't like or I don't want to do but then I do it so you know Paul talking about like the things you do you don't want to do and the things you don't want to do you end up doing so now you add someone else into the mix? Like that's just so freaky to me. I can barely mm. keep track of myself, let alone like in a marriage, and then like you want to have kids, and now you want to have to take care of this kid, and then you and then they're a scanner, and then they can just <laughs> tell you what to do.
1: Like, <laughs> just forget it. Well, it's what Daryl says in the film when there's like a, a scene where Dr. Ruth is trying to show Cameron who he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So there's like this old footage of Daryl and the woman. Is asking him, you know, what's wrong or just asking him questions in this interview. And Daryl says too much room for people, not enough room for Daryl. Like that's how he feels like in his mind. And so I just thought it was also really interesting how the connection just happens when they don't have control the connection just happens if they focus on a person for too long, which is what happens in the first scene. He didn't actually want to hurt that woman. At least I don't think so. It was just that he had already made this connection and he couldn't Mm -hmm. break that connection. And I also thought that that was really interesting, just highlighting the importance of self-control. And very fascinating that the very drug, ephemeral, that created these scanners was the only thing that could subdue their thoughts and help them to, and help to like mute or, um, put a, put a temporary stop to their abilities. Yeah. I, I thought well, that was been really interesting, interesting to see
0: explore it as like, if the movie had like 10 more minutes or something is the difference between what was being done in a fet with ephemeral to the scanner versus what the scanner is the underground scanners could do themselves.
1: So like, Mm. I then kind of wrote that like the
0: scanner can not only connect with like other people. So humans, but the scanners, there's a scene where like they're connecting with one another and they kind of can lose their sense of self and like coexist in a perfect unity where it's like Mm. simultaneously terrifying because you've lost your sense of self, but then amazing because you're now like connecting in a way that you otherwise could not. right? And like, so, so very much like, frankly, at the end of neon Genesis, the, the EOE where like, you're turning into LCL and you connect with everybody. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, there's this like wonderfulness, but then, yeah, you're losing your sense of individuality. Um, now the movie doesn't kind of get into like what that would mean. It just is, it's very much the early stages of that where it's like, this is something we can do. And, it seemed to me that at least at that underground clinic that because you could scan and connect with people you could actually assist and help somebody through their period where they're overcome by the thoughts of other people like that's what it seemed like uh Kim was doing where she was like almost like a like a counselor using her scanning abilities to calm right. down this one man. And the fact that there seemed to be two different ways to solve this problem, one that was in communication and assistance with other people versus, uh, or even creativity, like Benjamin's character, or just taking this medication. Um, It's not negative against medication, but you can almost see passively what are the better opportunities. Like having Mm. dependence on a company that you have to buy this medication from and wait in line. They even kind of are making a joke about like, they're not making a joke it's just true that when you go to the doctor you have to wait like 40 minutes it's like this is where's right. the innovation on this industry it's been 40 years it's still the case i have to wait 40 minutes with for this it's mm. ridiculous um but yeah i just i found that super interesting that like what would be the positives of it it's like well now like if you're trying to explain so i was talking about evangelism earlier and you're trying to explain these things like if someone could just like connect with the abstract of my mind that knows these things or believes these things, I could make that thing easier to be understood. What did I write? There was like one section that I wrote that was like purposely almost cyclically wordy to be confusing. It was really silly. Uh, <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, you have humans who are working together, their complete goals and they can overcome hardships, but humans have to translate their thoughts through their words. And it also has to pass through their ego barrier, which I wrote was the, uh, like an ego barrier would be like that part of you that has to choose to share or withhold information that may or may not risk something about yourself. So like sharing something embarrassing could be actually helpful for you because it might be something you're ashamed of that you want to correct, but Mm. you have to be willing to let yourself be embarrassed. If you're not, then you won't see any change. But also you might choose to not see any, that you didn't want to see any change But also sometimes you desperately want to tell somebody something, but you don't want to physically tell them you would just rather they knew it. And so the scanner could just do that, which to Mm -hmm. me is like really interesting. And so like, in a nicer version of this movie, scanners could be like an amazing counselor or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but <laughs> A I think counseling
1: method. Interesting.
0: Cause yeah, everything's abstract in your mind and existing thought is near indescribable so much so that like, you'd have to think the thought before you think it, but then you're finishing thinking about it when you think it, and you've already thought about it, but then you previously didn't have the thought that you thought. And you seem to think that you thought that thought, which you thoroughly thought through, until you communicate it and then you realize you didn't think about it enough because now no one knows what you're talking about kind of like the sentence i just sentences i just said
1: i was and just like- <laughs> going to say melvin you got like, you got to try that again the scanner could just a little get too it. much <laughs> right mm-hmm. and like so
0: much communication and and stuff could be so much easier i just it's so interesting but then it's also super dangerous because now the scanner can be obscenely intrusive um it's part of why i think something Uh, it's part of why I think when you have the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord is talking about like um, sex and how like just thinking of someone sexually is inappropriate is because you're, you're breaking down like because the Lord, because of scripture really asserting a combination between the body, the, the bare body and shame and what you protect about yourself. When you have something like thinking about someone sexually, you're breaking down their barrier, their ego barrier and taking advantage of that whether they want that or not. And then you're doing it with thought in this case. So it's like, it's the scanners are like tariff to me, like really petrifying. So whenever they're doing their scanning, I think it also benefits the movie that visually it is also very, very terrifying, whether it yeah. is their veins popping out of their head and ripping them out or right. this, you're a gun is pointed at you, but then you make them think they're pointing their gun at their mother. And it's like, that's like, like what how am i supposed to be crazy you? Like, yeah this is crazy yeah like, it this is world inter- is screwed right <laughs> like if skinners are in it i'm well, done well that's why
1: well that's why daryl Ravick was like we're the next level of evolution we should be ruling things that's why he wanted cameron to join him and then of course that's why they have that like big boss fight awesome at the fight. end yeah and, and and the thing and i could i do agree with you that the it is scary to think of just this invasion of privacy. Yes. Cause it's not even just reading your mind. It is our our bodies are like are being connected and you have a license to do with it whatever you want to. And I have no control over that. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely very terrifying.
0: Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. Especially when you add in like, so you're not thinking things, but then you add in sin. Like if you believe that the sin exists and humanity is depraved and evil incapable capable mm-hmm. of evil and now you're and you're living in this age where we're simultaneously evil but capable of knowing that we've been evil so now we're ashamed of it you now have this person who can find out the thing you're most ashamed about and exploit it or mm. if you're the scanner because you're evil <laughs> you can do the exploiting and so it's just like it's there it, what was interesting about the movie to me was reflecting on just the way the lord created us to be and the fact that we do have this human body that separates itself from another, like even when you hold each other's hand, you can only connect so so much. Uh-huh. And and on top of that, like there was this really interesting, like it's a paradox. It's the idea that like I can't remember the name of the paradox, but if you ever want to go from point A to point B, there's point th- there's the middle point. You have to cross the middle point, and the second you cross that middle point, a new middle point appears. So you have to cross that middle point before you hit B. But then a new middle point appears. You have to cross that middle point before you hit B and it keeps going and you realize in theory, you've never hit B because you always have to cross the middle point first. But that means if you do hit B, then B must be the middle point to something else that you're really going to. And so there was this time where like, I was like thinking like, have I ever really hugged anybody? (laughs) Like, because if I'm always having to cross this space and I'm never reaching where I'm going, like there's this intimacy I'm never connecting to. I'm never reaching. And, uh, which to me is interesting to think about when you, like, cause it's, you know, paradoxes are just interesting thought experiments. Of course I've had hugs, but like, when you think of this like weirdness of how intimacy exists and the idea of being known or not known and the risk of exploitation when you're known or not known, um, and then God himself knows everything about you and doesn't exploit you. It's just super. I, I really reflected on a lot of that, like as, as movies to me are more like a, stepping stone to, to think about more interesting topics. Um, Mm -hmm. Like this movie just has a lot of that and the way it displays all these specifics and the scanner themselves uh, is so complicated and interesting. It's just, yeah, it's a super freaking good movie apart from me talking about other things, not the movie, but it's just so like, there's so (laughs) much. It is interesting
1: just to to see like where this film like took your mind, took your thoughts and had you like considering different things. No, that's, that's interesting. didn't do that for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah.
0: I just, uh, even background when I had texted Melanie, there's like scenes where people's heads are on fire and like the chaoticness of, of the, uh, of being a scanner. And when I texted Melanie, it was something along the lines of like, when I'm super anxious, mm-hmm. or super frustrated, and I'm trying to have self control, but anxiety mostly where it's like, I have all these emotions and feelings, but I can't figure out what to do with them. I've described it to Catherine as like, my brain is literally on fire. Like it is, burning up and like that's kind of how the scanners move around it feels like they're on fire on the inside so they're Mm. desperate to get it out but they can't and then ironically they can't do anything but be inside of other people without their own permission or interest and so it's this really odd terrible thing it's a terrible thing to be a scanner it's it's
1: it's it's a it's a really it's a really tough burden to bear you know but at the same time once they have mastered that gift it then becomes their choice as to whether they want to use it for good or for not Mm -hmm. and i and i did like those aspects of the film just like this consideration of when with these scanning abilities how are you going to move forward how are you going to Um, to kind of get through this difficult thing. Cause even as you were talking, like you can use it for evil. I would just imagine for myself being a scanner and just not being frustrated because there's just certain things about people that I don't want to know. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Um, And like, again, there's like, we, as believers, we do community together. We love one another. We bear one another's burdens, but I do think that there are just certain things that should remain private So like, for example, I can pray for married couples, like I can pray for you and for Kat and and wish all the best for you, but there's certain... Certain aspects of your relationship that are personal—that yes. I don't need to know—and yeah. that is okay. Yes, you know. Whereas, and we're and we're not talking about sin, you know, because obviously, if there's sin or abuse or things like that, then of course that should be brought to light and dealt with. Yeah. But there's just other, like, more like personal things that's just like none of my business. So being a scanner and just knowing the intimate parts of of people, I can also imagine just being incredibly unsettling because like Daryl said, there's all this, there's so much room for people, but not enough room for like myself. And I can even, even just talking about it, I imagine, I wonder if that's what people feel like who are caregivers or people pleasers. I wonder if they have those similar emotions where they're just like constantly giving and connecting with people and wanting to serve people, wanting to bear their burdens, but they do it to the point where it's like, there's really no room for their own health or for their own, um, care. And I think that then of course then has this opposite effect where it's like, you're then not able to do as much or give as much because you haven't taken care of yourself. Um, and not that I'm, and not that I'm promoting the, and I could be falling down a rabbit hole with this, but I'm not trying to promote this idea of loving yourself before you can love someone else. Because I do think that there are, we don't have to get into it, but there I do are think times. that there, are, I get what you're saying. The, yeah. yeah, like there are things about that that I don't think are completely accurate or helpful, and um, maybe that could also be like another Your conversation that to we someone have. Someone else
0: will be more efficient if you are prepared, but sometimes, sometimes you heed the call of, of responsibility when you are not prepared and that's fine. But I get what you're getting at, which is like the scanner is to a fault, other oriented. Yes. And like, you have to have a sense of self. You have to be aware, like just me, per- like I, I've always share, oh, I probably share too much in the podcast, but like even <laughs> the last two, three weeks, I have such a, ha- I've such so much difficulty recognizing myself Like literally, like, I'm like, I don't know who that is. And it's like, I know who that is, but I don't, I, 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 a part of my brain is not connecting it. And that's usually when I know I'm stressed is because there are certain things that become so haywire where like the description of saying like, I'm just floating through, like, like, like I'm going through the motions Mm -hmm. in almost quite literal sense where it's kind of like how, if you drop a stone into a pond, the pond doesn't know that it starts moving with waves. That's how I feel. And like the scanner, it's like the sense of other is to the point where like they literally can't function. They have to find something to like root themselves into yeah. their world in a way that permits them to function, as do I, which I am in my personal life. I'm just using this as an example. But like it, the, like, so for Benjamin, it's like the, that root takes place in his creativity and his art. Yeah, And it also becomes something where he can share something about himself to others in a way that isn't through his scanning.
1: Exactly. And, There's like yeah. the sense of boundaries. There's a yes. the sense yeah. of knowing how to like, we not being scanners because of course scanners don't exist, but there <laughs> is like, um, we are able to knowing our limits, knowing how yes. much we can yeah. give, but also how much we need to rest so that we can continue to give. There's just like this, like, this sense of knowing yourself and your limits that I think is just incredibly helpful. Maybe even here or there a testing and stretching of your limits should you feel called to that um, or encouraged to do that. But yeah, I think just, just having those parameters can just be so beneficial when it comes to connecting and, and giving and serving others, which are all beautiful things. Um, but yeah, just the, the, the problem with the scanner is that they have to, that's something that they have to learn how to do in a much more difficult way. So yeah, the, whether it's the ephemeral or just like through practice, they learn how to, Cameron especially just learns how to, use his scanning abilities and take control over it uh, and i even think just in the beginning it's really interesting how he gets him to just get used to the noise so like yeah. a bunch of people walk in so cameron's just been kidnapped in the very beginning of the film he's tied to a bed dr ruth is there he doesn't know who dr ruth is but dr ruth brings in a whole bunch of people They're sitting down. Now you hear all of these voices like you're in a crowded room. Yes. And it gets louder and louder. But when the camera is panning to everyone, no one is saying a word. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you know that it's Cameron kind of struggling to control and mute all these voices that are in his head. And I just thought that was a really interesting thing. It's like, you can't run away from it. You have to like kind of sink in. uh, His tactic was to just sink into it and to face it. Um, for for an extended period of time
0: yeah there is like this acceptance of reality yeah, yeah he's got it i a, thought
1: that was interesting
0: there, and, and i, th- I figure what the term is for i think it's exposure therapy which now is mm. a lot more pa- w- in reality in the fiction it's what it is but in the right. in reality it's a lot more patient where it's like read the word of the thing that traumatizes you mm. keep reading the word read a sentence with it look at a black and white small photo look at a black and white big photo and you keep graduating up until you can be in the presence of the thing that, that traumatizes you. Um, But there, the purpose ultimately is to then settle yourself into reality instead of escaping it. And I think another interesting observation is that like Revik seems to be so distanced from everybody. And then Mm -hmm. his engagement into reality is through violence and destruction. Mm. Whereas like uh, Benjamin, although he is not at his public display of his artwork is still integrating and connecting with reality through his creation. And then Kim who is a part of a collective of scanners again is also integrating and existing in reality, but just in acceptance of like we're scanners. Like we didn't ask right. for it. We just are. And that the, 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 the benefit of, or the, the key factor of, I think, beautiful filmmaking and good storytelling is when it can hyperbolize things that are just real and true. And oftentimes those who are other oriented in a violent way, destroy until they are the only one left, whether that's themselves as an individual or whoever they perceive as those of equal value, which means there must be people who are not of uh, equal value, um, a- at least in the case of Revik. And so that's humans and, and or people who won't follow his lead. Meanwhile, these other people, these other scanners who've learned to accept reality and kind of find themselves in a way that permits themselves to live with other people can now like do wonderful and good things. Cameron doesn't have a character really, so we don't see what that would be if he was integrated. Um, But the movie can be its own open-ended sense where like he had to first find out who he is first. Mm -hmm. Although even that's debatable if that's even his character arc right because um, he's not really given us a lot of material
1: yeah he's very unfortunately just very flat very flat
0: <laughs> um there isn't even like scenes where he's independently like focusing on anything that interests him um there's, right there's nothing like that that's yeah. it's very odd but but the movie again it's not about the characters so much as it is about the world but right um but yeah, Scanners, man, this is a good movie. Definitely check it out. It's on Max, at least that's where I watched it. But um, you can also get the Criterion release, which I'm sure has some great, great, great special stuff. I believe I saw that there's a Criterion release, and in in the UK, and in, in Europe, there is another release that may potentially have better quality, but has different special features. So if you're a big oh, cool. scanner head and you want to watch some cool stuff, you might want to get both. I don't know how much that would be, but um if you're just trying to stream it it's on max it's totally worth it or if you just need a rewatch because i know this movie's old you may not know this but the easiest way you can show your support for cinematic doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever you listen so press pause and share your thoughts we'd love to hear what you have to say and then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show So what kind of, what are you recommend?
1: I apologize if I recommended this already, but I am writing things down <laughs> so <laughs> that I get better at it. Um, I am recommending a game called Overcooked. Um, this is a game that I think you can access elsewhere, but I have been playing it on my Nintendo Switch, specifically the version two. So Overcooked 2, a game series on Nintendo Switch, is a chaotic couch co-op cooking game for one to four players working as a team you and your fellow chefs must prepare cook and serve up a variety of tasty orders before the baying customers storm out in a huff so it's very much a game especially if you're working with well i think even if you're working alone because you can find a way to play solo but when you're working with groups of like teams of like not teams of but a team of two three, four people tops. It's super fun. It's all about strategy. It's all about communication. It's all about, um, how to be effective and decisive, just trying to work together. It's very, very cute, but can easily become an obsession. I recently just played it with some friends of mine and they were, we were like up, like just playing the same game over and over and over again. So we could (laughs) get our like highest (laughs) three-star rating. It's awesome. And it's adorable and it's great for kids and adults.
0: I'm going to recommend a movie that's pretty similar to this one came out uh, almost 10 years before this one did. It's called It's Alive. Mm -hmm. It's a horror movie about, uh, and it's very, very low budget from Larry Cohen written by him too. And it is about a couple who's uh, they're pregnant. The wife is about to give birth. So they rush off to the hospital. And um, as the husband is in the waiting room with some other, Husbands, uh, while their wives are all giving birth, a disaster strikes and he runs down the hallway and he steps into the room and his wife is freaking out. And every single nurse in the room is dead. And there's a hole in the ceiling and the baby has escaped because it might be a monster. (laughs) And my dad showed this to me. We went over and it is, Great! It is super that gripping. That
1: sounds amazing. It has
0: some. It has some very talky points and gets a little low, but it it is super in- interesting. It's super engaging. Um, the effects of the creature are very well handled, um, and it's just really it's just so interesting. I was thinking about it for like a week or two afterward. And even now, like it still comes up and then rewatch and then re, and then watching scanners. I was like, there's a lot of similarities here in their style and, um, even when I watched it, I thought this would be good for the podcast because uh, independently, me and Melanie will talk about like what do we want to do for the future and this and that. We had an idea about doing pregnancy movies, whether horror or not, but uh, this one would definitely fit into the horror section um, because pregnancy is objectively just a very odd thing. Uh, in a capitalist, sanitized, me- mechanized world, the fact that we are biological creatures is very weird. Um, I think if we were more surrounded by nature, I, we wouldn't may not think so, but we do very much sideline the fact that we're biological. Our lunch breaks are very short. Potty breaks are truncated. Uh, sleep is something people avoid all the time, but we are biological. So to watch a movie that takes that and makes it very freaky, I'm all about. So, yeah, it's alive. Check it out. Very, very, very enjoyable. Um, I'm pretty sure there's really good boutique releases, too. So if you just... If it's a movie you feel like you're gonna enjoy, you can pick that up too. I think there's a scream or shout release, but yeah, it's alive. Check it out. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once a month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at Patreon.com forward slash Cinematic Doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlian, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.